0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 116 of the podcast Or you're joining us here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, November 18th. It is Thanksgiving week or Black Friday week, depending on your priorities. Uh, So we're going to continue with the theme of having part of our podcast family on the show. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show last week with Blake from Loaded Joes and, uh, I have another special guest this week joining to help us host the show. I had to book this guy months, close to a year in advance. Or he texted me this morning and said, hey, when are we finally going to do a show together? And I said, how about in an hour? And here we are. Um, But believe whatever you choose to be the truth. In any case, uh, host of the Loudmouth MMA podcast podcast, as well as a very interesting podcast about Nicholas Cage, uh, one of the all time great American actors, uh, Mister Kyle Steele. Hi, welcome na- to the show,
1: a national treasure, if I may. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Yeah, we actually that one's coming uh, is is ending this month. We, we've already we've already finished all the movies, so I have officially seen every Nicholas Cage movie in existence, to include. And- every movie that he has produced or had a cameo in every single one. I've seen 90 plus movies involving Nicolas Cage. So that's, I don't know. Wow. I don't, I don't know what that qualifies me as, uh, but it qualifies me for something and whatever yeah. that is, you're welcome.
0: That's like 400 hours of screen time.
1: <laughs> oh, we've done, <laughs> we've, we've, we're going to do a recap episode. Um, actually, it's going to go up next week and that's going to have all those stats. Like every single box office combined, every budget combined, uh, the amount of days that we've spent watching Nicolas Cage movies, plus times two, because then we're recording an hour podcast each time. And then, of course, uh, because I can't get enough, uh, starting in January, it's going to be the Sandra Bullock movie review hour. So we're going to go through every single Sandra Bullock movie.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, we're going to have to let people know uh, where they can find all this quality movie action at, towards the end of the show Absolutely. Uh, before <laughs> before we get to that and get into some mma let me introduce my beloved co-host from every other week all the way from snowy new jersey jeff the animal wilson jeff keep him warm up there
2: yeah dude i mean all this shoveling snow is pumping blood into my arms so you know we'll be all right but uh yeah bill uh if we got buried in like six inches of snow um you know as a teacher i got the best of both worlds because i didn't get a snow day but what i did get was uh i got to leave early the day of the snow and then the next day we had a delayed opening um you know a bunch of teachers called out but you know me bill my daddy ain't raised no bitch so i showed up to work on time and got some grading done so um and Kyle, I, I love your idea of uh, of the the movie podcast. That's so awesome! And you know, to quote the Smashing Pumpkins, despite all my rage, I am still just a Nicolas Cage.
1: Absolutely, my friend.
0: <laughs> is this a, is this a common <laughs> this phrase? Is,
1: oh, listen, uh, uh, the amount of uh, Nicholas Cage puns that have been tossed my way over the last two years. Uh I would say it's unreal but I think you can imagine exactly how many.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um so let's let's talk about a different kind of cage. Uh the the kind that Segway saw... <laughs> My Segway game is on point today, which I can't usually say. I can never uh, lay claim to that. So uh Fight Night 140 from Buenos Aires was a real banger of a card that I fell asleep during. I had to wake up and, and rewatch, uh, the co-main and main event this morning. And I'm glad I able, I was able to do that, um, during sound mind, because these are two of the best fights, uh, in recent memory, especially for a fight night. So I was really glad I got to watch this. I don't know what the implications will be for either of the winners. Um, just because they're in divisions that are a little bit muddied up and there's some some kind of weird circumstances surrounding him. So uh, I want to start with the main event, Santiago Ponzinibbio getting the job done against a really durable guy, Neil Magny, uh, putting him away in the fourth round in front of his hometown crowd. Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you. Uh, what were your impressions of uh, Gente Boa's performance <laughs> last night?
1: Well, first of all, and you said it, um, you said two things that, that perked me up one, the falling asleep, uh, ironically (laughs) perking me up, but I record a show every single Sunday, uh, with a good buddy of mine, Fred Kirby, uh, Kirby underscore MMA on Twitter, uh, him and I do a show in person every single week. And, uh, we literally spent 20 minutes talking about how we both fell asleep during this card, not because <laughs> it was necessarily like adherently boring, but the pacing was just a nightmare, Um, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but the second thing you said was, what are the uh, ramifications basically of this fight, right? Like, what is next? And right there in lies in lays the problem with these cards. What did they, are we allowed to cuss on here? I don't remember. Oh, we, it, it,
0: we actually have a quota. We have to curse a certain. Uh, okay, curse, good. So. This,
1: like, this card means fucking nothing. I mean, just less than nothing. There was no fight on this card that had any like far-reaching nothing. We didn't have contender fights. In fact, we had a fight that's within a division that doesn't even exist anymore, right? And, and two guys who aren't going to move up. Sasaki, even if he could move up, He keeps losing, so there's no point in keeping him around to move up. And Pantoja is a way better fit for 1FC than just about anybody else who was in the flyways. So I know that's not the fight we're talking about, but it it leads into the main event, which is the fight basically means nothing. Are we going to sit here and elevate Ponzinibbio because he knocked out a, a very overrated Neil Magney? Of course Ooh. not. He he's not gonna get elevated for that. What's Neil magney gonna is New Magney gonna plummet down the down the line because he lost to a Ponzinibbio who's on a streak? No, the fight means nothing. No, no one gains anything, nobody loses anything. And these types of fights, when you're watching that fight, a fight that means nothing at 1:30 in the morning, mm. you know, one in the morning. It just adds another layer of stink to it, and you're like, I don't want to do this. And then add in, of course, the pacing leading up to it. Not just yeah. the fact the fight was so late, but the fact that leading up to it, the pacing. I mean, good lord, it was like it was like reading like a Charles Dickens novel in reverse or something. And it just it was it felt awful. <laughs> um, and again, fights meaning nothing is one thing, but to have your main event be a fight where again. Ponzinibbio is not going to get elevated for this win. You're not going to sit here six months down the line talking about Ponzinibbio's next fight, going, yeah, but man, he really got that big win over Neil Magny. No, no <laughs> one, no one's going to give two shits about this win. And same thing with Neil Magny. You're not going to be looking at Neil Magny's next fight, going, well, I mean, he did lose to Ponzinibio. No, it's it's all meaningless. And that mm. that as a hardcore fan of the sport, this stuff is starting to get to me. It's starting to build up a little bit. Um, And if I'm going to keep being a hardcore fan of the sport, I, 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 I'm cool with having cards every weekend. I love fights. Let's do it. Have fights every weekend, have fights every fucking day for all I care. Do your thing. But let's, let's make some stuff mean something. You know, let's, let's have some, some guster behind it or do less cards.
0: Yeah. All right. Kyle Steele bringing, coming in (laughs) guns, blowing. mouth MMA, man. Come on. I got to live up to my (laughs) shtick. This is my (laughs) shtick. Yeah, so for those of you who aren't familiar with Kyle, he's not just pissed off uh, about this card. <laughs> he's he's pretty much pissed off in general, just in general. Uh, <laughs> which is which is part of his appeal. If you've never heard the, the, the Loudmouth MMA uh, podcast, which you should definitely check out from this point forward. Um, so. Yeah, basically, this fight uh, had no real implications. I know Ponzinibbio called out Tyron Woodley. There's no chance that fight is happening ever because Woodley's going to retire uh, long before Ponzinibbio ever sees the title shot. He basically just swapped, I think, eighth and ninth in the rankings with Neil Magny. I think Magny was eight and Ponzinibbio was nine, or whatever those arbitrary numbers they they put next to people's names are. Uh, but let's talk about the actual performance of Ponzinibbio, which was. Just a striking clinic. So I'll defer to you, Jeff. Uh, Give me your thoughts on Jenta Boa here.
2: Dude, Ponzinibbio was in there like a fucking sniper, man. Every shot landing so precise. His um his jab working wonders for him all night. Uh, I was really liking the leg kicks. I think the leg kicks were really what won him the fight. But, um, you know, you, don't, you can't take away from his jab. He's such a good striker. And it, it it's sad because, Kyle, you're absolutely right. This fight, I'm looking at the top five of these world-to-weight rankings, and... I don't see Ponzinibbio getting a shot at any of them. Um, I don't see him ever getting a shot at Tyron Woodley. I don't see him fighting Colby Covington. Uh, Darren Till, I I doubt they'll give him that. Maybe Rafael Dos Anjos, um, if he gets lucky. I don't see him fighting Steven Thompson. And Robbie Lawler, I believe, is tied up at the moment. I think he's got a fight with Ben Askren coming up. And that's another thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Bill. Go Go ahead. ahead. Uh, Yeah, so... Um, that's another thing. Now you throw Ben Askren in here. He's shooting right up the ladder, man. And as, as fun as Ponzinibbio is to watch, it's sad that you're right. The fight doesn't mean anything. I don't see him cracking up anybody in the top five or even getting a shot at them. Uh, but you know, to take nothing away from Ponzinibbio, I thought he looked great in there against Neil Magny, who's very well-rounded.
0: Yeah. The, the performance itself was really impressive. I mean, he, Magni Magny had his back up against the cage for probably, I don't know, 20 minutes of this fight. And when he circled to his right, he got stung in the face with that rising heat fastball of a jab from Ponzinibbio. And When he circled towards P- Ponzinibbio's power side, he got his calf kicked off of his body. Uh, which you know he got knocked down how many times from that low calf kick? Uh, my leg was hurting just watching this fight. So yeah, it is unfortunate that he put on such a masterful striking clinic in this fight, and it probably means nothing. I would love to see Ponzinibbio against a uh, Steven Thompson, uh, some something like that, and a performance like this. And people are are more so talking about a potential fight between Jorge Masvidal and Nick Diaz in March. That is probably. <laughs> not even going to come to fruition and i i i'm a little annoyed b- by this announcement and how much buzz it's getting so uh i was going to talk about it later but i brought it up so and, <laughs> we have to it's my show <laughs> yeah we say, might as well and i was gonna say as well address it.
1: You, you, Go ahead, you said uh, something and, and jeff kind of said something too so that they probably swapped eighth and ninth and i think you're yeah. about, about right it's probably what just happened and then mind you everyone above them are basically household names Lawler and Covington and Woodley and Thompson and then and then of course then you got Jorge Masvidal then now Nick Diaz back in the mix then you got Ben Askren so it's like everybody that's hovering in that area are basically household names Ponzinibbio has no shot and I don't know how much of that's Ponzinibbio's fault or if it's just 170's a clusterfuck which is why to bring up a whole new topic which is why i still love the idea of the sixty-five seventy-five because i think it would just break some of that stuff up and i think that's good that's what kind of what we need it's too much of a log jam there and maybe Ponce debia would be a guy that would benefit from that but yeah i mean everybody above him is basically a household name so you know he's he's kind of screwed
0: yeah and not to muddy things up more but you left out rda and usman <laughs> <laughs> right i too shame yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. I, and those are two like fairly household names. I mean, former champion RDA, uh, who, who moved up and was burning through the welterweight division, and then Usman, uh, one of
1: the best prospects we have in, in the UFC,
0: yeah. And I think he's him and Ponzanibio are both on a seven fight win streak. Usman might have eight. I don't, I don't even know. Put um, them two together. There you go. I'll take that. Put them two yeah, together. Well, well, I think Usman's fighting RDA pretty soon, unless that fight I'm pretty ball, sure. Huh? I'm pretty sure. Um, So let's talk about how you have so many awesome fighters in this division. I mean, it's one of the most stacked divisions out of nowhere. For a division that basically took a two-year hibernation uh, because the the title fights were just so awful, now you have too many fighters. Not not a bad problem to have. Um, But now we're adding... The, the potential return of Nick Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. I don't know what weight class this fight is at, but I don't understand why people are so excited about this personally because, one, uh, the, the Diaz brothers have been teasing returns for years, and they're, they're both sitting comfortably as millionaires now. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're in a hurry to get back in there. And this fight is in March. That leaves so much time. For something to go wrong, like for USADA to find a roach clip in Nick Diaz's car <laughs> or like in the parking lot next to his car. Um, I, I'm i a huge Diaz brothers fan. I want to see them back in the cage more than anybody, but I can't understand why this is getting so much steam behind it. I'll start with you, Kyle. What are your thoughts on this announcement?
1: I think it's just the prospect of it's it perfect matchup. And Mosfidal and Nick Diaz, because they both feel like similar fighters. They both feel like like Masvidal is, for all intents and purposes, and I, I don't know how else to put this. A, a real fighter. I, I I don't know how else to put that. But like he is an actual fucking fighter. Like that is what he is. Like mm-hmm. the dude was straight I remember watching his YouTube videos of the backyard fighting with Kimbo not not fighting Kimbo, but, like, in that same era of backyard fighting, I think he was on, like, either Dada or Kimbo's, like, team or whatever like you know they had like fighters they they represented and stuff and like i remember watching those fights like Hori masvidal is a is a real fucking dude and then the diaz brothers both have that same air like these Mm -hmm. are just real fighters you know but in a more traditional sense masvidal is more of a street fighter and then the diaz brothers are more of like the the art kind of style of fighting right like they're the jujitsu guys and and they have the gracie background a little bit and that kind of stuff and so it's just you have two of these real guys. It feels like, and I said it on the show I did this morning, but like it feels like a turf war. Like it feels like these two guys, like their gyms are feuding, and that they're mm. about to meet up in some like smoker somewhere and like settle it. Like that's what it feels like. So I think people are excited because it just the build up to this fight, if it happens. Can you imagine Jorge Masvidal and Nick Diaz sitting across from each other at a fucking press conference? I mean, come mm. on, like that's worth more than the fight. I'd rather just I could watch them like talk to each other for two press conferences. Um, And then the prospect of because Nick's coming back, that'll push Nate to come back too. like, I like that idea. Again, I just think it's a good matchup. That's what people are excited. I'm excited, too, uh, just because I can feel I can feel that this could be really exciting. could also be a a huge letdown. Let's not forget. To, to no fault of his own, but the last two times I saw Nick Diaz, they weren't necessarily the most fun fights in the world. So, you know, they are fun because they were like carnivals, but you're not supposed to have a carnival-type fight in the UFC. That, that's not the point of the UFC. So, yeah. this feels like this could be a blast. Two guys hunting each other down, and honestly, I kind of think Nick wins, which is weird. It's weird to say that. So, I don't know. I, I like it. I'm on board. Uh, whatever. I'm a simple guy. Simple one, simple needs.
0: I would, I would pay the price of a pay-per-view to watch just these two fight one fight in a smoker, uh, just like in a gym somewhere. Um, however you want to do it, whatever rule set, but yeah, I'm excited about the matchup too, but then I found out it was in March and I was like, get the fuck out of here. You're going to make me wait until March for this fight. And it's amazing that like so much of the MMA community is so on board with this fight Uh, And then they all complain about the rankings and stuff. Here are two guys in their last three fights, I think, are combined one, four, and one, Uh, (laughs) which, um, you know, it's just interesting to me. And I want to see this fight. You know, this fight could easily headline anything, and I have no problem with that. But I just think it's funny that people complain about the rankings, and then they're like, yeah, we want this fight. Um, But anyway, I digress. Jeff, give me your thoughts on this announcement here. Dude, Nick Diaz and Jorge
2: Masvidal are not boring fighters by any stretch of the imagination. They're super fun to watch. Um, You know, I've been a Diaz fan for a while. Uh, Him and his brother, I just like how well rounded their styles are, man. They can, wherever the fight goes, they're going to be good there. Um, Jorge Masvidal, he's just a tough dude, man. He's always in there. He's ready to fight whoever they put in front of him. So. I don't think that anybody loses with this fight. It is a shame that we gotta wait so long for it, though. Like, there's so much, so many variables. So, like you said, so many things that could happen. I mean, Nick Diaz could get ha- caught with heroin or something. I don't know if it would be to that extreme, but um, I'm a worst-case scenario type of person. My mind goes to the worst possible case. Um, somebody
0: could die before the fight happens. I mean, anything could happen. I I mean if that happened i think that if if one of these guys died they would still be willing to fight that's that's just a, that's, that's just the that's kind of exactly fighters. how it feels yeah those are the kind of fighters uh nick diaz and Jorge masvidal are um and and yeah for sure masvidal is one of these guys like anytime anywhere which is why i would i would prefer if this was like on a week's notice. Like, oh yeah, these guys are going to fight next week and they would both be fine with that. But instead when I heard March, I was like, son of a bitch. Um, anyway speaking of tough guys uh, Darren Elkins uh, who is known for uh, taking a beating uh, taking (laughs) an extraordinary amount of damage, uh, which explains the tattoo across his chest uh, wasn't able to hang in there against Ricardo Lamas. I thought this was an awesome fight uh, that, again, had no implications. But for what it was, this was a really entertaining fight. So Elkins, I thought, came away with the first round and part of the second round. And Lamas was putting himself in a situation you'd never want to be in, which is he might have had to finish Darren Elkins. <laughs> uh, he came around and I think wound up winning this second round and then was able to put him away in the third round. But I loved the grappling exchanges in this fight. Uh, I loved the the tight guard for from both of them on the feet they both had their hands up high but lamas was throwing straight punches while elkins was winging punches out of that that tight guard um i i really love how lamas stuck to the game plan here and just wore elkins down was able to put him away you know maybe it's a culmination of all the damage he's taken uh no pun intended actually um from the last couple of fights but uh Elkins getting put away with uh with a nasty ground and pound uh series here uh Jeff I'll start with you on this one uh what were your thoughts on the damage versus llamas
2: dude this was a super fun fight it was so back and forth dude I try to kind of keep scoring my head when I'm watching a fight that did not happen with this fight because it was just so back and forth so entertaining um the scrambles on the ground were awesome darren elkins was going for like knee bars and and uh, ankle locks and llamas was was getting out of positions and just transitioning so smoothly so well um dude super fun fight and um this is my only issue with this fight is while i'm super glad for ricardo llamas i thought he won i don't think darren elkins loses any stock from this fight because he's just a tough dude super durable but Mm. Um, again, this is another problem with this fight that we talked about with the last fight is who do you put next against Ricardo Lamas? I mean, I'm looking at the featherweight rankings. First of all, Lamas has shot down. He used to be ranked number four when we had this conversation a couple of years ago. Now he's ranked at like 14 and he's basically fought everybody up here. He's fought Jose Aldo already. He's fought, um, Swanson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know what happens from here, uh, in the division,
0: um, Personally, I want to see a Darren Elkins Korean zombie fight, but that's just me. Uh, Kyle, I know you're not big on recapping cards, so I'm gonna to defer to you on the what's next question. Because I know I know that's your uh that's your forte.
1: Oh, sure. I will say too, uh just to recap a little bit, uh, sure. Bill, I'm gonna disagree with both of you a little bit here. I thought that was a pretty uh, incredibly lopsided fight. In fact, I thought the second round was a 10-8 for Lamas. I thought it was very, very lopsided. Um, mm. And <clears throat> first round, I thought he clearly lost as well, um, which is actually kind of one of my issues with the fight is that I thought it was really lopsided. Uh, going into this fight, I mean, good lord, could could you have had a worse stylistic matchup for Darren Elkins? That literally, mm. the only possible way he wins fights is an area in which at no level was he going to excel over Ricardo Lamas. Mm. I, mean, that, I mean, that was like a that fight should have been like a, I mean, a minus thousand. I mean, it just, it, it outside of a shocking uh, Elkins land, something weird. I mean, obviously you, you saw Lamas get knocked out by Josh Emmett. So yeah, fucking anything can happen, but like mm-hmm. outside of an, anything can happen. I mean, that was just a horrible style, like a stylistic matchup for Elkins. Uh, as far as what's next. I mean, again, you know, and, and Jeff mentioned it and I think you did too. I've been saying it the whole time. I'll keep saying it. This fucking card was pointless, and this is another one of them. I mean, what do you, now? What do you do? Like, it's it's Ricardo Lamas doesn't really get anything from this other than just showing why he's the perennial gatekeeper of the featherweight division, and then Darren Elkins just proved what we already knew that he wasn't ready for the people above Ricardo Lamas. So, congratulations. What we already knew, we just figured out. You know, I just. I I think your suggestion was kind of right on. I mean, Korean Zombie obviously just got uh, he was winning a fight against Edgar Rodriguez, and then he gets caught with that weird elbow. And we can you know you've already talked about that fight to death. Obviously, uh, I think that's a good fight. Um, it's it's down a couple notches uh, for Korean Zombie, but I kind of think that's what he needs. He was away from the sport for a while anyway. Um, that was kind of a brutal knockout. Darren Elkins, I don't think is gonna be able to do that to him. Okay. Uh, and stylistically, it's a better matchup for Elkins. He has much more of a chance of utilizing his, utilizing his game plan to make that work. But Ricardo Lamas was just like, come on. I mean, you're not going to dirty grapple Ricardo Lamas. That's not going to happen. And, and that's <laughs> Elkins' only way of winning.
0: Mm. They did have some some uh, competitive exchanges there on the ground. Like Elkins was able to, you know, get up from some positions that Lamas is usually able to hold people down. I think missed sure. opportunity for Lamas uh, at the end of the fight when he said, "I'm just going to take some time off with my family." It's like, dude, come on! You just want to fight. Gotta keep it going. You, yeah. you gotta you gotta take some momentum here. I think a good move for him would have been calling out Zabit. Listen,
1: unless he knows, unless he is aware on some level. This is, I am relegated to the, I I mean, I don't believe for one second that these fighters don't have an acute understanding of their role, that whether they want to admit it or not is either here nor there, but ultimately they've soul searched. They realize who they are and what they are, which is why you see fighters calling for weird fights and that kind of, they know what they are and then they know kind of what they're going to be able to become. Some guys are, are misguided, right? But I think ultimately most of these guys know who they are. I don't think I think Ricardo Lamas knows exactly what he is. He's a gatekeeper. And 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 he's a gatekeeper who's at least a lot of fun to watch. You know, and he's a gatekeeper that can easily earn himself into big fights just because he's exciting. But ultimately, he's not going to win those big fights. And it just is yeah. what it is.
0: I think if he had called out somebody like Zabit, I think his his stock would have gone way up if he was able to come in and, and put a guy like Zabit away. And if he's not, then all right, then he settles into that role. But if he is, and he's able to fight the guy that, that the higher rank guys don't want to fight and, and put him away, then that would put him a lot closer to the top. He said, he wants to make a run at the title. I don't know how realistic that is, but you never know what happens in a, in a division where, um, you know, anything can happen because there's just, there's so many wild cards in this division
1: it's a lot more realistic if brian ortega wins the title if brian ortega wins the title then lamas fighting him is much more realistic Mm -hmm. if he doesn't if it's max holloway still i think it's really unrealistic
0: yeah i mean it's also a division where where guys pull out of fights very often and absolutely you know if lamas is up there and he he's willing to fight one of these young up and coming lions and then sit in the wings while and, and stay on weight while a title shot is being put together and and be ready to swoop in there for somebody who possibly pulls out of a title fight. Uh, it's definitely possible that Lamas can be, can be stuck in there for a title shot, but he didn't call anybody out. He wants to, uh, you know, where's Christmas jammies with his family, which I can respect as a father. Um. Well, who
1: knows Who knows what kind of issues, not to switch gears entirely here, but who knows what kind of issues Holloway is going to have trying to come back to 145? That's yeah. an answer that has not been, or that's a question that has not been answered yet. He very well, if if you find out when when that fight finally happens, it gets canceled again and you find mm-hmm. out that Holloway just can't make 145 anymore. Are you shocked? I'm not. No, he very no. well could have really damaged his ability to weight cut. Yeah. You might be seeing Holloway only at 55 moving forward, which boy, does that change the game? Yep. I mean, it might change the game for a lot. I mean, I mean, Holloway, I don't think is nearly going to have the success at 55 that he had at 45. And, you know, ah, and then I just I don't know. I, I don't want that to be true. So I don't want to, like, speak it into existence. But yeah, he really seemed to damage himself trying to cut down to like 170. I mean, he, like, hurt himself doing that and then has a weight-cutting injury to follow it up.
0: Yep. So he,
1: he may never fight at 45 again, and if that's the case, well, then, boy, this conversation's pointless. If that's pointless as UFC Argentina.
0: <laughs> yeah. Then the, guess, whole,
1: then the whole thing changes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out at the weigh-ins on December 7th, Uh, you know, how he looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even if he makes it to the fight with Ortega, this will be his last fight at 45, and for his sake, he's got to win it because he can't walk into that stacked 155-pound division off of a loss because he can't make the weight anymore and expect to be at the top of it. Uh, and I, I agree. I think he's going to have a lot of problems at 55, but I think if he goes into it with some momentum and gets the right matchup, I think Max Holloway uh, can actually be a force to be reckoned with at that weight. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's sometimes when you get older, uh, a, a switch just hits. You know, I, I wrestled at 138 pounds in high school, I will never see that weight again in my life. Um, and I, have accepted it. Uh, <laughs> it's just like something happens in your body. Uh, especially when you hit your thirties that, um, you know, the, the weight just doesn't come off like it used to. Uh, in any case, I, I think probably the fight that had the most movement. And if you want to talk about rankings or getting into, uh, a ranking picture uh, Johnny Walker walking into a basically empty light heavyweight division with a nasty elbow knockout of Khalil Roundtree. Now I'm not saying Roundtree uh, was near the top of the division, but you know, he's coming off. Uh, he had a lot of momentum after knocking out Gokhan Saki. Uh, you know, one of the premier strikers to ever walk into a MMA cage. Now granted uh, he didn't do very well when he did it, but in any case, Johnny Walker, I think he's got the personality. Uh, you know, his facial expressions, kind of Fabricio Verdoom-like, uh, in there. I thought he was fun to watch. Uh his clinch was fucking scary. Uh, and that was just a, a really beautiful elbow knockout of Khalil Roundtree, I thought. Uh I think I started with Jeff last time. I'll start with you, Kyle. Uh Impressions of Johnny Walker. Uh
1: oh. We, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen uh, <laughs> A couple things <laughs> One, can you uh, Can you cue the Everybody's on steroids uh, Nate Diaz press conference uh, <laughs> Statement, because Johnny Walker was roided out of his mind. Those facial expressions were not Verdum-esque. They were caused by the impending stroke of all the (laughs) steroids that man is on as he's trying to walk around the octagon and the blood flow isn't quite getting to that side of his face. Well, that Uh, may
0: be Verdum's problem, too, because...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Amen, man. Maybe you're not wrong. Um, That's first and foremost. Second of all, uh, the... the, the I don't it's not really a train. And and you weren't doing it, Bill. I'm not coming at you. I'll come at you for some other stuff, I'm sure, but I'm not coming at you for this. That's I just funny. feel like I feel like other people are doing this. Uh-huh. They're putting Khalil Roundtree on some weird pedestal. I'm like what the fuck are you talking about? Have you seen Khalil Roundtree fight? What are you talking about? <laughs> like un- unless that pedestal is not a great MMA fighter, I don't know why he's on it. And knocking out Go Saki uh means absolutely nothing. Go Saki is not an MMA fighter. He's a kickboxer. And in his MMA career thus far has looked pretty piss poor. He almost got beat by Luis Henrique de Silva. Have you seen Luis Henrique de Silva fight? You think Khalil Roundtree is bad. Let's cue that guy up. I mean, good. He's terrible. So like Khalil Roundtree has gotten this weird thing around him he's not very good and he looked exactly that the dennis green we thought who like they were who we thought they were like that's that's clearly that's me clearly roundtree last night i'm like he is who i thought he was boom there it is and it's a guy <laughs> who gets knocked out with a weird little elbow it like that. that's it right there and then johnny walker whatever listen he's a fun guy He's it out of his mind. If he doesn't pop pot within his next two fights, I'll change my name to Nancy. It, there's no way that dude's sticking around. <laughs> he looked like he was rotted out of his mind. Um, if he does stick around, as you noted, the 205 division is wide open. So it, it's, it is desperate for some names outside of John Jones and Cormier and Gustafsson. I mean, we really need some more names in that division. 205 has been looking a little better, but I also want to see Johnny Walker fight a UFC caliber fighter next to. I mean, let's put him up against a guy who's a legitimate UFC fighter. Khalil Roundtree is not it. Um, it, Listen, don't beat the shit out of me. I always love that. People always. I just want to. I feel like I always need to say that because I I know people listen to this and they like. You can see the video. I'm like, I'm. fat and aging and balding. And, and people are like this dude, like talking about this guy's on steroids. This guy can't fight and blah, blah, blah. What the fuck is he talking about? I am well aware that anybody that I have talked shit about would murder me within seconds. Khalil Roundtree, if he got his hands on me, could kill me with very little pushback. I, I mean, there'd be nothing I could do. He would just strangle me to death and that's it. Like I'm done. So I'm well aware of that. But as a fan and someone who analyzes the sport, He's not very good. And I would not even, I would barely qualify him as UFC caliber. I mean, he is a, he's a Bellator guy. He's a regional guy. I mean, that's, that's what Khalil Roundtree is. Let me see Johnny Walker fight one of those guys and then maybe we'll fucking talk. But until that happens, I'm going to put the, slow that cart down a little bit. And, and old steroid boy needs to prove it a little bit.
0: Wow. All right. I love it. I
1: told, (laughs) listen, I warned you before we got going. (laughs)
0: No, oh, no it's great I, I i love having that kind of i i'm glad you clarified on the on the abilities of the fighters you know khalil roundtree long-time uh listener of the podcast so <laughs> <laughs> um so jeff i don't expect you to match the energy of kyle but give me your thoughts uh, on johnny walker's performance
2: yeah man i mean uh i agree with kyle you know khalil roundtree yeah he's had some success in the ufc but uh i i I still i can't get on that hype train or anything um i don't know if there is a hype train it might not exist it hasn't left the station but um dude i i thought i was impressed with uh john with uh johnny walker you know he's got a cool name and you know dude um he just he might very well be on steroids because it looked like those leg kicks were doing absolutely nothing i mean Just there's something about Johnny Walker, though. Um, I I like his, he's got he's kind of got that it factor where he's fun to watch. Um, but uh, I, if he's not on steroids, I really hope he's not because he would be a welcome addition to this light heavyweight division because it's been looking thin at the top. I mean, outside of Jones Gustafson, uh, and Daniel Cormier, there's not really a lot of people to talk about. I mean, Anthony Smith, I mean, he's good. I don't see him doing that well against the, the other three guys I just mentioned. Uh, we've got Jan, uh, blakovic Um, he's not bad, but I think he struggles against someone like Daniel Cormier. um, so yeah, dude. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what's next for Johnny Walker. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he uh, he has some more success, and you know we'll see how he does against someone who's a little higher in caliber uh, at the top of this division.
1: What you're saying, Jeff, is that you like the cut of his jib. Yes, that's what you're saying. You like the cut of his jib, and and I'm with you. I support that. I I also like the cut of uh, Johnny Walker's jib for sure. I just don't trust him. Mm. I think that's where I'm at right now. I don't trust it. I don't trust that it's real. So uh, we'll we'll talk in two years. I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, the the and this is with every prospect that ever comes in. Um, has Walker had a fight in the UFC yet?
2: No, I think that was, his, that de- was his debut. Just, uh, yes. I
1: appreciate the contender
0: series. Yeah. Oh,
1: on the contender series. That's where we saw him first. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the thing, and in, in UFC fans, we love it, and I do it too. Like I'm I'm making fun of everybody to include myself. We all do it. But when somebody comes in, I mean, holy shit, we are so fast to mm-hmm. so be like, this is the guy, this is the new welcome to the division, this is the prospect, this and that. And then in two years, we're not even saying their name anymore because they had a chance to have a couple more fights and lightning didn't strike again. You know, we just got to give these people time. I mean, this guy yeah. seems like it, but I mean, holy shit, he, he he knocked out Khalil Roundtree for God's sakes, with, with the again with a weird elbow thing. I mean, he's not going. Can you imagine uh, put somebody up? Put Luke Rockhold in there at two oh five instead of Khalil Roundtree. You think he's landing that funky little elbow on, on Rockhold? Absolutely not. He's not getting close enough to do it. I'm not saying I'm not saying Rockhold can't be beat because he absolutely can, but. I'm saying the type of shit that's gonna knock out Khalil Roundtree, you try to do that on a on a better fighter, and you're not getting anywhere close. Even if you beat him, it's not because you were able to sneak a weird elbow, in. that's not that's not happening. So yeah, you know, I just think any of and and, and this goes all the way around. Zabit is even in the same category. Like everyone's slow down a little bit. At least he's proven it more, right? Like there's other guys yeah. that they have one fight in the UFC, and the UFC fandom just jumps on their nuts, and it's like just. Relax. I mean, let these guys, we don't know who they're going to be. We have no idea, um, especially when they're making yeah. debuts. You generally will make a debut against somebody who you can beat. The UFC is not stupid. They they saw that Johnny Walker, they saw the faces. They realized that he's a marketable guy. So who do you think they put him in there first against the guy he can beat? They, they And again, the UFC is not. They know who what Khalil Roundtree is, right? If Khalil Roundtree would have won, they would have taken it. But ultimately, the yeah. UFC kind of knew what to expect. So, and then that's why they booked it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, the, the issue or the phenomenon of the hype train, I if I could pinpoint how it happened, I think people are afraid to miss the train, so to speak, just mm. to continue with the analogy. You don't want to seem like you're a bandwagon. Yeah. So, like, um, I, if I could pinpoint when this happened, I would say it was when Anderson Silva made his UFC debut. And nobody did and a lot was. Yeah, a lot of people in America who are who are like following the UFC because of Ultimate Fighter season one and everything like that were like, "Oh, who's this guy? Chris Lieben's gonna smash him!" And then all of a sudden, Anderson Silva went on to become Anderson, Anderson Silva. Silva. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> even though even though people who knew who he was before his debut weren't surprised at all. Um, but I think there is like an anxiety amongst hardcore fans to miss out. On that, and they want to be able to say they were on board from the beginning. So, if I had to explain the phenomenon uh, of the hype trains, that's how I would do it. Um, I don't think I, I put I would put either of these guys on a pedestal. I do appreciate Khalil Roundtree, uh, uh, obviously more than you, Kyle. <laughs> which is, <laughs> you know, it's which not, is cool. not saying a lot. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're allowed to we're allowed to disagree. One hundred percent. It's a part of, uh, um, you know, being part of this great country in America, which you, you wouldn't think that that people are allowed to disagree. Sure. State. Uh-
1: <laughs> well, and by the way, and that was and I, I think that was an astute analysis. I think that's exactly what it is. I think people are afraid you don't want to miss it. You don't want to be you don't want to seem like the idiot who couldn't see it coming. You know, you yeah. d- you didn't realize what you were witnessing. It's like same thing, like mm-hmm. with the like the like the ugly girl in high school. Then all of a sudden, she becomes a swan, right? Like you don't want to be that guy that when she removes her glasses, you're like, oh, she's hot. You know, like that's how it is for for the UFC too. You don't want to be that guy that's watching this guy's first two fights and then eventually becomes a champion. And you know, you you didn't see it coming. You you weren't a part of the a part of the train as it was speeding that way. Like Conor McGregor. I mean, I remember being on that train. Instantaneously. I mean, the moment he fought uh, Marcus Brimage, right? That was his debut, Marcus Brimage. Yep. I mean, a, th- a 35er, mind you. But when he fought Marcus Brimage at the time, it seemed like this is going to be a really close fight. Like, this is a tough fight to make your debut against. Right at the time, Marcus Brimage seemed like he, again, these little hype train things, like Marcus Brimage seemed like a legit guy. And uh, yeah, it didn't prove to be the same. But yeah, you know. You you don't want to miss a guy like Connor. You know, how, how dumb would you have felt if you were like this guy's overrated when he's fighting Marcus Primmett. It's like, no, no, he's not.
0: Uh although there there still are people of that school of thought that Connor is overrated. Um I I think we got we got off the rails a little bit here uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine i i love uh, i love mixing things up i i w- the point i was getting at too is the the thing i appreciate about Khalil Rountree is that he fights with a chip on his shoulder he's fighting to prove people like you wrong kyle and i i like that i like that he gets in there even after he won his fight against saki and he was like He was looking to fight people in the audience. He was like, come on. Like everybody's doubting me every time I get in here. And I, I like that energy from him. And and that's what I appreciate about him. Um, I don't want to spend too much more time on this card. So I'll kind of, um, you know, we'll kind of, we'll kind of breeze over the rest of it here. A couple of key points I want to hit on Jeff. I'm going to start with you here. Your boy mutante, uh, speaking of steroids, uh, (laughs) taking a beating to this from, whole
1: card this whole card there were like a hundred
0: people on steroids that's why the south american cards are great kyle i <laughs> we're guess gonna, we're gonna make south america great again <laughs> we're gonna do it with lots of steroids, we're gonna do it with
1: lots of steroids.
0: <laughs> so jeff ian heinish i i think this was probably an upset here uh over mutante who obviously is a Uh, you know, a pretty big prospect from the ultimate fighter, uh, Brazil. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one real quick.
2: Yeah, dude. I thought that Ian Hanish was going to die in this fight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mutante is a tough dude, man. He's pretty well-rounded black belt and jujitsu power in both hands. Um, I'm not a big fan of his footwork. Um, but, Uh, you know, overall, I thought Mutante just had this in the bag. I didn't know too much about Hanish coming in and Hanish proved me wrong, dude. He shut my mouth. Um, which happens sometimes, not often, but it happens. And, um, I was impressed, dude. He uh, he was throwing submissions from the bottom, uh, which is not easy to do against a jiu-jitsu black belt like uh, Mutante. He, and in the second round, he turned it up a little bit. He was going for takedowns. He was making uh, Mutante go backwards, which I really liked. And mm-hmm. in that third round, he hit another takedown, and he was just going to work. He left everything in there in that third round. Uh, very well-deserved win. And uh, we'll see what's next for Hanish, man. I mean, uh, he beat a really tough dude last night.
0: Yeah, I think uh, he probably moved up the ladder a little bit more than than people might have expected. Kyle, let's hear you shit on both of these guys.
1: Hey, listen, Ian Hanish, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure before that fight even started, they had to unlodge a, a needle out of Ian Hanish's ass in the octagon. <laughs> they just had to reach in and try to get it out. The cup man's back there trying to work on it with the Vaseline, keep it from bleeding back there. That dude, okay, if if you think, again, if, if Johnny Walker's on steroids, Ian Hainish is a steroid. I mean, he is like, <laughs> um, he didn't have a neck. I mean, he was just like shoulders than chin. Uh, this was a pretty big upset in my mind. I, I thought, I thought, and, and I don't know if it was betting-wise. I think a lot of people were on Ian Hainish. I was not. I was on Cesar Fiera. Um, when I saw... Ian Heinisch at the weigh-ins, I was like, oh, okay. Well, this guy is just one giant muscle. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like, You still have to do something with it. And if you start gassing, then, well, I mean, and it actually with the opposite way, he seemed fine. Cesar Fieras seemed like he was gassing out, which I didn't really see that coming. I don't know if that's an age thing or I, I don't know if Cesar Fieras just used to, not used to, that's not the right word, but I don't know if he deals with that kind of pressure as well. Um, And Ian Haynes just seemed like he had the, the exact game plan. Granted, part of that game plan was do as many steroids as you can leading up to the fight and then cycle off so you don't get caught. But he still had, like, again, steroids mean nothing if you don't have the game plan to utilize it. You can have muscles for days, but if you go in there and you don't have a game plan, you're gonna you're going to lose. So he clearly has the game plan if he's not on steroids then great he has to be but if he's, not, if he's not then this is a big win for him and Johnny Walker if both of those are clean athletes then we at least got a chance to see two people who have legitimate prospect both coming off the contender series as well I believe in heinous I believe coming off the contender series yep. as well so mm-hmm. two legitimate prospects coming out of the contender series that are in divisions that are relatively shallow so they can, they can make a name for themselves if, if they're good
0: All right, Uh, I want to kill three submissions with one stone here just for the sake of time. So we had Marlon Chito Vera getting a uh, comeback victory over Guido Canetti, and let's be real, his name's Guido. Uh, I think they just say Guido because they can't say Guido on TV for some strange reason. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo getting a a nasty, what was really a bulldog choke that turned into a rear naked choke, but I don't think she even needed uh, the hooks to finish uh, Poliano Botello. Uh, and, um, you know, but once she put the, that, that extra three pounds on her back, you know, that, that <laughs> got the tap. And then, uh, it, <laughs> if Johnny Walker and Ian Heidish are on steroids, uh, they probably just drew some of Michelle Prezeris's blood and injected that into their body because that guy had the steroids of a heavyweight injected into a five foot six frame, uh, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. And he landed uh, a nasty uh first round guillotine over Bartosz Fabinski. Uh, so three chokes. Uh, I'm gonna deal them out to you first, Kyle. Uh take, uh, take whichever one you want and run in whichever direction you want with it.
1: Listen, you already know what I'm gonna say about Michelle Pizarras. Do I have to say it? Can you just say it for me so I don't have to say it? Uh... Here Here he jesus christ michelle Prezeris. my lord he looked like he ate heinish <laughs> he is just michelle preseris is massive he's massive uh but listen fair square man fair and square he finally he proved he, he didn't miss weight because he's went up a weight class he had to fight at 170 he had a significant height disadvantage i mean he was two of the guy he was fighting but height wise he had a disadvantage and reach wise and that kind of stuff and he showed he had knockout power even even up 15 pounds so that's a big deal good for him um Cynthia Calvillo, whatever she listen i when if you miss weight and go into a fight it doesn't count for me Sorry, guys. That's not how that works. If you show up and you're playing football and and or if you show up to a boxing, I don't know. I Listen, insert some fucking analogy about how you're out of uniform. You, you don't get to play. If you show up to the football game, I, I think this analogy I used earlier. If a wide receiver is not wearing shoulder pads, that's going to give him a distinct advantage over the cornerback who's chasing him down who is wearing shoulder pads. Guess what? You don't get to not wear shoulder pads. If you show up onto the field and the ref sees you, the ref's going to go, hey, Mr. Wide Receiver, you got to go put shoulder pads on because you have an unfair advantage. This is like the only sport where you can get an unfair advantage and you don't really get punished for it. You just go. They they take some of your money. Okay. Mm. I still get the win. I still get to put my name out there. And in fact, I get more press by missing weight. Which is free. I get free social media press by missing weight. So I get a chance to make more money in the future. So they're really not getting punished for this. And they get to go out there and look at the statistics. The statistics do not lie. The amount of people who miss weight and then win, it's over 90%. Literally, it's over 90%.
0: They're 11 and and 7 in
1: 2018. So so that's a little different. So uh, I, I must be going back a year. But still, That's still a significant advantage for missing weight versus not missing weight.
0: No, you were right. That's more than 50%. 11 wins and 7 losses. It was
1: closer to 90 at one point. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're still over 50. So you still have have a statistical advantage, however slight, a statistical advantage to miss weight. And this this notion that, oh, you're draining your body to miss weight says who? I'll tell you right now. I think Calvia was faking it. I think she was faking it. Go watch the video again. Go watch the video again. Look at her face the entire time. I'm telling you, I'm not even a big conspiracy guy. Let me throw in that tinfoil hat. I think she was faking it. I think she knew she was going to miss weight. So she just walked in and staggered. And then she gets on there. Then all of a sudden she's like, oh, no. And she's like starting to fall down. Get out of here. She was yeah. perfectly fine. And, in, and then... Showed it on fight night. She was fine, man. She got zero problems, zero effect from the night before. Listen, I, I, if I drink too much, if I have six beers instead of five, the next day, I'm dead. I'm not even a human man anymore. I'm, I'm like some hybrid, half zombie, half whatever. And you're telling me that she's like collapsing from from being like dehydrated or whatever, and then the next day she's like, what up, dude? And she's gone, oh, get out of here. I I think she's faking that shit. And again, it's the only sport where you get this advantage. And again, we can prove that it's an advantage. Look at the numbers. Look at the statistics. If it's over 50%, if it's 50.01%, it means it's an advantage. It means it's an advantage. Over 50%, it is an advantage. Mm -hmm. So we're giving these people an advantage. We're not punishing them for it. That's not fair. That's not fair. It wouldn't fly in any other sport. Okay, in soccer you don't get to put a fucking lead boot on so you can kick the ball the way down the field. That's not how that works. You have to change into proper shoes, get into uniform. She's not in uniform for her fight, and did not get punished for it. And then she gets the win, like basically everybody else who misses weight. So that's not fair. What was the other submission? <laughs> I got the two.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, Cheeto Vera.
1: Oh, good for him, man. Uh, I keep sleeping on. I keep sleeping on Marlon Vera, dude. I sleep on that guy all the time, and I have no idea why. Every time he's fighting, I I'm like. I'm on a Okay, great. And I skip on to the next fight. Like, I never pause right there. And time and time again, I'm getting proved wrong. I think it's because he had a close fight with Brad Pickett. You remember that? Yeah. I Vera fought Brad Pickett, and Brad Pickett was just dog trash. I mean, he was Brad Pickett was all never all that great. But, like, even his greatness was contained to one tiny era. And then he was just shit after that. Mm. Especially when he was making his, like, last fights there. I mean, he was just dog shit at the end of his career. I mean, just goddamn terrible. And then he goes in, he fights Marlon Vera. Marlon Vera's losing. You remember? He's losing to Brad Pickett. And we're all like, what? Like, How is Brad Pickett winning this fight? And then Marlon Vera winds up getting like a flash knockout, I think, if I'm remembering the fight correctly. But it's just like, so I think from that, I just have that memory in my head where I'm like, Oh, that's the guy that almost lost to Brad Pickett when Brett and Brad Pickett's last fight. Like, that's not. I'm never gonna pay attention to that guy. But I so. But that's caused me to then sleep on him for no reason. He's actually a really fun fighter, and he yeah. showed again yesterday why you shouldn't sleep on the dude. He's a blast. He's good. He's well rounded. He's everything that division needs.
0: I I do believe I don't want to sway your your memory or anything, but I do believe that fight with Brad Pickett was the last minute. Like Cheeto Vera stepped up. Uh, to as a last minute replacement or something, and and he w- he was like overweight and had a rough weight cut. I don't know if that sways your opinion. Listen, or, I, I mean, remember I, it the way you want to remember it.
1: Listen, <laughs> I, I I ran into a crackhead in the corner of Third Main down in Dayton. I'm pretty sure it could beat up Brad Pickett right now. So I don't know if that really dissuades <laughs> me all that much.
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, Jeff, uh, <laughs> uh, same question: three chokes. Uh, you know, take a pick. Or, or pick all of them.
2: Uh, Bill, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Last night was the night of the Mataleon, which means lion killer or lion tamer in Spanish and Portuguese. Um, I was a fan of seeing all these rear naked chokes, man. But um, I got to give it to Marlon Vera on this one. Uh, Guido Canetti, you know, he was in there tough. I thought he annihilated Marlon Vera in that first round. Yeah. And- I don't know what his corner said to him in between rounds, but Vera came out a different fighter. Um, he landed this knee where he flew across the octagon and just stunned Kennedy. And, um, you know, I, I felt like it was his Mutai and his clinch game that set up that rear naked choke finish. Um, as for Cynthia Calvio, man, I'm a fan of hers, but I'm disappointed. Uh, you were telling me, I think you, you texted me actually Friday morning that uh, Calvio missed weight and almost died. And I responded, well, I would have respected it, respected her more if she had died instead of missed <laughs> weight, Bill. Um, of course, I say that jokingly, but, dude, she's a professional. You know what you're doing. Um, listen, I, I don't feel bad for people when they miss weight. If you cannot make the weight, move up a weight class. Um, Bill, I'm never going to fight at flyweight. One, because the division no longer exists. And two, <laughs> Bill, I'm not fucking making flyweight ever in my lifetime.
0: All right. Fair enough. Um, I think th- there were some other interesting fights on this card, uh, but I don't want to talk about them because I don't feel like it. Uh <laughs> I want to shit on Bellator a little bit, uh, uh, just because, uh, man, I I really, um, I really want to like Bellator. I really want them to take that second place spot and run with it, but they keep letting me down, uh, and they let me down with like all the celebrity like freak fights and bringing Ken Shamrock back. I would. I would be glad to go back to those days because now they don't even want you to see their product. I mean, they, they had a fight and Kyle just told me this before we started recording 30 hour tape delay before they show it live in America, which has got to be where your biggest audience is. And, uh, I don't even know, uh, how I want to continue to express my frustration. So I'm gonna do it vicariously through Kyle. Oh, Kyle.
1: oh, you want me to express it for you, buddy? I got your back, Bill. Don't you even worry. I keep wanting to call you Mr. Bill, which makes you sound like you're like a you're the host of a PBS cartoon show.
0: Hey, whatever <laughs> feels right, man, just
1: go with it. <laughs> or is Mr. Billy was the name of a cartoon, I think. Anyway, all right. I can express this sentiment for you perfectly. And then as noted, I gotta run after this, unfortunately. I'm getting called in. I got I got I'm getting called in. I gotta go argue with some other people. Um, All right. but, go out with but this is a good, this is a good one to end on. Cause this is exactly, this is the topic I want to, I want to hit here. I've talked about this a couple times on, on my own personal show. So I'm going to, I'm going to regurgitate a little bit of that. Um, th- the biggest issue with Bellator, the num- number one problem with Bellator, they don't know their role and you see this with other promotions as well, but Bellator is, is probably the worst offender. They don't realize what they are. And until they realize what they are, they're never going to become anything. Know your role. Figure out your role and exist in that space. There is no reason for Bellator to have Aaron Pico. There's no reason for Bellator to have Ed Ruth. There's no reason for Bellator to have Neiman Gracie. These kind of guys, there's no reason for them to be over there. Other than Bellator wants to try to compete with the UFC. Okay. There's this thing, and it's from Moneyball. I don't know if you remember this quote, but Billy Bean, it's a famous quote by Billy Bean, and they they said it in the movie as well. But I was a fan of Billy Bean before the movie. The original hipster guys, here I am. Listen, like I said, I want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on, on on getting on the Billy Bean love. But Billy Bean has this quote, and he says, If we play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. And that quote has always really stuck with me. And that's what Bellator is doing. They're trying to think like the UFC which by thinking like the UFC, they're always going to lose to the UFC. By, by trying to think like these other promotions, you're always only one step behind them because you're comparing everything you do to them. And the same can be true in, in the podcast world. You can't try to be like other podcasters. You can't try to be like other interviewers. You, you, you have to exist in your own space. Know what you are. You know what I'm not? I'm not a professional guy. I'm just not. There's no point in me trying to put on that hat if I'm doing interviews. Right, there's just there's no point. It's it's gonna come across as non-authentic. The shit that I'm doing is just gonna get blended in with everybody else. Like James Lynch already does that. I don't need to do it. You know, what I mean, I don't need to exist in that sphere where I'm doing these professional interviews. Same thing with doing my shows. I don't need to try to put on some weird front thing. I am who I am. Exist in that world, cater to that type of audience, and then call it a day. I don't need to try to. expand on weakness, right? That's what Bellator is trying to do. Bellator has this clear-cut weakness, which is their fan base is is a quarter of the UFC. So what are they trying to do? Be more like the UFC to try to take some some of that fan base. They're already a fan of the UFC. They're not going to then just stop doing that. They come over to you. That's not how that works. They're already a fan over here. It's like saying you're married to a woman and then you make a clone of that woman to try to get the man to leave that woman for the clone. She's you're already with her. You don't need to leave. Right. Bellator existence on space. The fights that were fun were the Kimbo days. Right. Again, you know, when Shamrock came back and fought, um, oh my gosh,
2: Uh, who is
1: Gracie. Right. Like that stuff is fun. Do it. Chael Sonnen and Fedor all about it. Guys who are aging out of the UFC, also all about that stuff like Mm -hmm. i think ryan bader could probably still compete lorenz larkin some of these guys that came over from the ufc over there i think they can still compete but at least that i'm okay with i'm okay with the guys who have had their run in the ufc and now they're over in bellator right but getting in prospects and then also trying to go to other places when bellator did their nascar tour i thought it was the smartest thing that bellator has ever done it was the first time that an mma promotion is was admitting We are an American sport. We are an American promotion. We're gonna go after fucking NASCAR fans. Do you think anybody outside of the United States watches NASCAR? Fuck no. Very unlikely. Maybe somewhere in England, but that's about it. Where they love racing and stuff. For the most part, Chechnya. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There it is. Some weird (laughs) thing. But for the (laughs) most part, they avoid that stuff, right? Like. So I thought Bellator was really smart. And then they did the college. They did the college tour as well, where they went to college stadiums. Again, Mm. I thought that was really, really smart. And I thought that that was the Bellator at realizing, Hey, this is our niche. This is our shtick. And then Mm -hmm. they do the, like they do the, uh, uh, before main events, they do the national anthem. Right. Like, I was like, all right, Bellator is getting it. Right. They're understanding what their role is. They're an American promotion. UFC is more global. Bellator is the American MMA promotion. Play that up. Don't go out of, don't go out of country. Right. We have to have tape delays. Just don't do it. Stay out of England. You don't need to be in England. Hell, don't even have any English fighters on your fucking roster. Just have American fighters. You know what I mean? Like, really stick to that thing. And then you have the freak show fights. They're fun, they do numbers. Do that stuff, man. Chill Sunnan's perfect. Chill Sonnen has Bellator written all over him. Mm. So I just think until Bellator really realizes what they are and embraces that and and they stop trying to compete with the UFC, they're never going to quite be able to do anything. But I think they'll get it. And I think eventually they'll just stick to the fun fights and call it a day.
0: Yeah, it seems to be one step forward and nine steps back for Bellator all the time. And it really, it really... Frustrates me from a marketing perspective and from a fan of MMA. Um, so, Kyle, I know you got to run. Uh, Jeff and I will take this one home. I don't think we're going to cover too much more anyway, but let the people out here know where they can get a hold of your content.
1: Uh, you can find me on Loudmouth MMA. Loudmouth is one word, L-O-U-D. I'm not going to spell Loudmouth, you fucking idiots. You know how to spell Loudmouth. I was getting ready to start spelling that. I'm like, never mind. Listen, if you can't spell Loudmouth, there's other podcasts with easier names. Um, and the same thing on Twitter. It's Loudmouth MMA on Twitter. Um, this really isn't even necessarily a shtick. I just, I just like having fun, man. This is a blast. It's a blast to talk like this. And thanks for having me on. Uh, I do... Right now on the channel, I host uh, a show called the Not Safe for Work MMA Show. I do that with a guy named Fred. Um, I'm also doing MMA Yesterday, uh, which is we're starting UFC 1 and going through all the UFC cards. We're on UFC 20. Um, I'm doing... I do a breakdown every week. We just break down the card. Um, and there's uh, two other shows coming to the network that aren't going to be me. It's going to be other people hosting it. But the idea is to, to make five days a week. Um, that's kind of what I'm going for. So I host two of them, and there's going to be three other shows as well. So uh, please just go subscribe there. You can keep listening to me on the rocks. We're, we're all doing different things. There's plenty, plenty of uh, hours in the day to, to open yourself up to podcast. Uh, you should just listen to them all day, man. That's yeah, it. Don't, sure. don't even watch TV anymore. Just listen to podcast. Thanks for having me, for real, Jeff. It's nice to meet you, Bill. It was a blast. Nice to formally meet you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks.
0: Thanks for coming on, Kyle. All Good right. Job. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, sir. I'm out. Kyle Steele. All right, brother. Uh, go check out Loudmouth MMA uh, if you're into, you know, Kyle's brand of podcasting. Uh, personally, my blood pressure is a little higher right now. Uh, <laughs> so we'll try and uh we'll try if that was a rocky flight we'll try and make it a smooth landing for you guys uh but that was a lot of fun uh kyle's kyle's a riot um i know i go off on some tangents sometimes but man he takes it to another level um so if that's your thing definitely go check out his show. as for bellator i'm still annoyed and jeff i know you're annoyed for the same reason i am because our Jiu-Jitsu professor Sodeco Honorio was on this card. I didn't know how the fuck to watch it. I saw yeah. clips of his fight on his social media. I had to hunt them down. I know you had the same problem, but fuck Bellator for a second. Let's celebrate uh, Professor Sodeco here because this guy lost his opponent three days before his fight. And they said, is there anybody in Israel who will fight this guy? Now, Sudeko, usually a flyweight fighter, 125 pounds. He was going to take this fight with Bellator at 135 pounds. The only guy available was some uh, badass Ukrainian guy who is 145 pounder, probably stepped in the cage somewhere around 165 pounds. Um, because he weighed in at 146, and and good for him. He they agreed to 145 pounds. That guy stepped up and made weight on three days' notice. So, um, no excuses for anybody who can't. Uh, so essentially moving up two weight classes, and he wins the fight. Fucking awesome, Professor Sadeko. Uh, give me your thoughts on this, Jeff.
2: Bill, oh, I'm so happy for Sudeco, man. Um, for those of you who don't know, he, uh, fought a lot in, and he still does fight a lot in a local promotion called, um, the Cage Fury Fighting Championships, CFFC, uh, former flyweight champion there, uh, lost his belt to Louis Godnot, unfortunately, and then he gets uh, a chance to make his bell tour debut against somebody. Like you said, Bill, two weight classes above him, almost three weight classes. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't find the fight anywhere. I'm fucking pissed about it, but dude, mm-hmm. congratulations to Sudeco for winning it. Um, I did look at the scores. It looked like all the judges had it 30, 26. So he didn't just win. It looks like he dominated out there. Um, so yeah. Sodeco, if you're listening, uh, I'll congratulate you in person. Next time I see you, uh, hopefully you're pardoning up out there in tel aviv at the moment but um yeah bill i'm gonna see if i can talk to him this week i don't know if he's gonna get back so soon but uh next time i'll see him i'll give him both our congratulations in
0: person yeah for sure uh definitely send him my regards i'm gonna send him a message as well i don't even want to talk about the rest of this card because i don't really give a shit because bellator uh really annoyed me with the a 30 hour tape delay for a live sporting event it's just unacceptable and i know there's a lot of contractual things that cause this to happen. And, you know, they're working with a couple of different networks and, Paramount, which used to be spike. And they're also trying to get on the streaming thing with the zone. Um, but I don't give a fuck about all that. I, I understand it. I have a deep understanding of how that stuff works, but figure it out, Bellator, because, uh, like Kyle said, I think they have a quarter of the audience of the USC. I think that's even being generous. Uh, And when you start pushing away that American fan base, uh, you're really, uh, you become a three-legged table, which is hard to stand. Um, You you know, you got to take care of the people who, who, Support you on a regular basis I, I mean it's great if they want to expand And go over to Israel And they want to go to all these places They want to go to London I'm all for expanding those markets But don't forget what got you to the dance Bellator And that's your American audience And especially the American audience With MMA podcasts that support you When you make the right decisions um, Which I'm happy to do I, I want to be a fan of Bellator And I, I feel like a broken record Saying this uh, every time they disappoint me um, But I'm like I'm like the guy In the abusive relationship I'm like, no, you didn't mean to hit me. Um, (laughs) Jeez, you don't understand. You don't know what he's like uh, when you're not around. Um, (laughs) In any case, um, I wanted to break down uh, Fight Night 141. It's headlined by Mm -hmm. Curtis Blades and Francis Ngannou. Um, And then we got a lot of fun fights on this card as well. It's at the Cadillac Arena in China. Um, which is interesting that China has a Cadillac arena. <laughs> but um, in any case, uh, is there anything like really jumping out at you on this car, Jeff? Because I feel like we we went pretty long today. But uh, let, let's get one last thing in. Yeah,
2: man. I mean, this card just top to bottom overall looks really good. Uh, I really want to see what Curtis Blades can do against Ngannou this time around. Um, Mm -hmm. Ngannou being the only man who's beaten Blades as a professional, so that's pretty cool. Um, Overeem's on here against an undefeated fighter. Yedong Song, who we both enjoy watching him fight, Mm -hmm. uh, is on here. Jing Liang Lee, he's super exciting to watch. Uh, Rashad Coulter, uh, really tough dude, uh, can hang in with just about anybody in that heavyweight division. And, uh, Louis Smolka is in here who has retweeted me before. So I have to be a fan of it.
0: Uh, (laughs) You have to.
2: Yeah, dude. Just overall, this is looking like a really good card. I just hope that it's not at like 3am or something. Cause right now it's, it's, it's like Tuesday in China right now.
0: Yeah. I don't even know. I think it's February. Uh, over there, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do they? I don't think they have daylight savings. I, I don't know what's going on. They're at the Cadillac Arena, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> in any case, I, I'm excited for this main event. I, I'm gonna find a way to watch it. Uh, obviously, they're hoping Sergey Pavlovich annihilates Alistair Overeem. That has to be the plan for the UFC, um, because they're doing this overseas uh they want to bring up a, a new young contender in this heavyweight division can't blame them there jing jing liang li is an awesome uh probably the biggest name prospect coming out of china um after this fight i would love to see him take a fight in the states so people get to know who he is especially because he's fighting in a very stacked uh welterweight division uh where we were just talking about it's really hard to kind of make yourself known in that division and he could definitely hang with the top of that division Uh, in any case, uh, Yan is another one out of China to keep an eye on. So, uh, check out her fight. She's, uh, fighting Siri Kondo. Um, so yeah, it should be a pretty solid card. I I mean, if you're getting over your Thanksgiving hangover, uh, this is a good way to, to chill and, um, you know, get some MMA, uh, intake some MMA. Uh, I don't think there's anything that big, uh, coming up. Uh, we don't have a pay-per-view until December. And uh, that's when we're going to find out if Max Holloway is still fit for this featherweight division. In any case, covered a lot today, Jeff. Uh, We went in some very different directions. It was a very different show. I hope you guys are enjoying the fact that we're trying to do some different things here. I I have some some more different things lined up, you know, I, I realized that we were kind of getting in a routine and doing things the same way all the time. So we wanted to mix things up a little bit, uh, with Blake and Kyle and and we got some other things down the line that hopefully you guys uh, will find enjoying, uh, for the second week in a row, we're gonna, we're gonna bypass any booze talk. So, uh, Jeff, I'm going to be up in New York for Thanksgiving. So uh, maybe you and I will get together for some beers and uh, maybe we'll do a show. Maybe not uh you know it's this this is a time for family and i don't know if it'll be worth doing or not but you know hopefully you and i will get to raise a couple of pints uh anything else you want to get off your chest this week my friend
2: nah dude i'm excited to hear that you're coming up here hopefully it's not too cold for you i know you're not used to anything below 65 anymore
0: yeah right dude it was it was uh it was down in the low sixties. I had to turn the heat on the other day. (laughs) My, my blood is definitely thinned out a lot since moving to Florida. But uh, yeah, hopefully that all that snow is cleared up, Uh, you know, Jersey and New York making the news down here for their poor ability to, uh, to get rid of the snow during this storm. I guess it was, uh, it was unexpected, but you know, I I can't be too proud to be a Floridian either we fucked up this midterm election pretty bad. (laughs) So it's like, um, anything with a with an athletic commission, I'm embarrassed t- to be a native New Yorker, and anything with a- anything else in government, I'm embarrassed to now be a Floridian. Uh, <laughs> in any case, uh, I'm off right now to the local brewery in my town, Crooked Thumb, uh, because they're doing a greyhound adoption. Uh, for those of you who follow, uh, politics in the news. So during this last midterm election, there was something on the ballot. Florida is the last state in the country, I believe to, uh, have legalized greyhound racing. And I was kind of on the fence on this issue because I, I hear the dogs aren't treated well. And you know, if they break a leg or something in the dog race, uh, they're euthanized usually unless somebody will take them in or foster them. So I was all for, uh, the deregulation of this and breaking it down and shutting it down they're gonna have a year to do it but now I'm hearing that the state doesn't have a plan in place for what they're gonna do with all these dogs so uh, as a as a dog lover I am not uh, ready to get a new dog because uh, those of you who listen regularly know that I had to put my dog down just uh, just about a month ago or Maybe it's been a little longer, actually, but um, not ready to take a new one in, but I, I want to go get some information on this. Um, definitely concerned uh, about the greyhounds here in Florida. And uh, I, I don't like talking politics very much, but, uh, you know, it's a it's a concerning issue. So I'm going to go get some more information. And, um, and when I get it, I will share it with you all. If anybody is interested in adopting or fostering dogs, uh, I will share that information with you on social media. And speaking of social media, if you want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And you guys know how to get a hold of me it's at MMA on the rocks uh, everywhere on social media. You can even send me an email if you want MMA on the rocks at gmail.com. I want to thank our special guest host, Kyle uh, Kyle Steele. If you want, go check out his show, Lab Mouth MMA. Uh, it is a riot. Uh, when I want to get riled up, I, I I tune into Kyle's show and and that's him all the time. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't just uh, exceptionally angry today. That's, that's him. Um, <laughs> I promise you that. And uh, you can go find that out for yourself. And that's all we got. A happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I don't know when we'll be back with another show, but it will be after Turkey Day. So everybody enjoy the time with friends and family. and. uh you know send us a message let us know what you're thinking and drinking out there all right happy thanksgiving everybody cheers goodbye